0: The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Good morning, Refuge Church. Please close your eyes as you pray with me this prayer of declaration of forgiveness. And also prayer for the word this morning. Bow your heads as you pray with me. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. May the God of mercy who forgives us all our sins, strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Hear the good news. Who is in a position to condemn only Christ? And Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life has gone. A new life has begun. Believe the good news of the Gospel. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Hear the good news. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance, that Christ came into the world to save sinners. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might be dead to sin and alive to all that is good. I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Jesus, as we uh, go over your word this morning. We pray for the presence of your Holy Spirit. We pray that you will convict our hearts, that you will renew our hearts, that we won't just be hearers of what we hear, but doers of your word. Thank you for the freedom to worship this morning, even with everything going on in our world today. We pray for your peace, for your comfort, for those that are in distress and for those that are suffering at this time. And we pray that your presence will overwhelm us this morning. Thank you for this, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Hello, Refuge. I'm excited to uh, be here with you guys this morning. Uh, to continue our series, Happy Thoughts. This morning, we will be talking about admirable thoughts. And our intro for this series has been, we believe that the pursuit of joy does not lead us away from the places of pain. The pursuit of joy leads us along the way Jesus walked. To avoid the pain is to miss the way altogether. The way goes through the cross, but the cross is not the destination. In this sermon series, we invite you to rest your thoughts on and in Christ, who shows us the path beyond the cross that continues to eternal life. We invite you to rest your mind in this happy thought. And so the big question for this morning is, what are some of the things that you admire in people the most? And the big idea is, the things we admire the most in others are usually the things that we fall short on or lack. And so we admire people who have those qualities, and we try to imitate them. According to Forbes magazines, the top 10 characteristics of highly admirable people are humility, the ability to learn, integrity, responsibility, resilience, respect for others, big vision, inspiring others, reinventing themselves and others, and compassion for others. And so this morning, I will be talking about compassion as one admirable thought that we should be always thinking about. Before I talk about uh, compassion, I want to introduce you to one of my favorite shows. It's called What Would You Do? with John Quinones. Some of you may be familiar with the show and some of you may not, but in this show, It features actors acting out scenes of conflict or illegal activity in public settings while hidden cameras record the scene. And the focus is usually on whether bystanders will show compassion by intervening. And so variations are also included, such as changing the genders, the, race, the races or the clothing of the actors performing the scenes to see if bystanders will react differently. The situations often pertain to prejudice with race, sex, religious beliefs, sexual orientations, gender identity, physical and mental disabilities, obesity and weight, sexual harassment, vandalism, theft, physical appearance, homelessness, financial trouble, parenting, and social status being uh, some of the common uh, themes in the show. And this morning, I want to show you one of my favorite episodes of the show. And this episode was at a vineyard A couple complain when a vineyard worker takes his break on a patio where they are enjoying their wine. And so they subject the worker to racial discrimination and verbal abuse. If you are a witness to this injustice, what would you do? And before we play the video, I just want to uh, give you guys a heads up that there's some language in the video that has been blipped. And so if you have kids, just giving you guys a heads up. And Sean will play the video for us right now. What's your reaction from the video? When I showed our pastor this video yesterday, Daniel, what he said was, my blood is boiling right now. And I think for most of us, that should be the reaction that we should have. And so my question for you is, who are you in the video? If you saw something like this happen, would you empathize, sympathize, or show compassion to the victim? We sometimes use these three words to mean the same thing, but they are not. Because empathy is feeling what another feels, putting yourself in someone's shoe. And if you have personally experienced that feeling, it is easy to empathize. And then sympathy is to be able to understand what that person is feeling. Sympathy is being aware of somebody's pain, even if you have not experienced that feeling. And I think most of us are great at sympathizing with others. Compassion, however, takes empathy and sympathy a step further. When you are compassionate, you feel the pain of another, empathy, or you recognize that that person is in pain, sympathy, and then you do your best to alleviate the person suffering from that situation. At its Latin root, compassion means to suffer with, When you are compassionate, you are not running away from suffering. You are not feeling overwhelmed by suffering. And you are not pretending the suffering does not exist. Showing compassion makes you put time and thought into alleviating someone's suffering. So the people in the video who did not confront the mean couples showed sympathy and empathy but they were not compassionate. Remember the guy who said, I felt bad that nobody was speaking up to this couple. I'm like, are you kidding me? You didn't say anything. He knew what the mean couples were doing was wrong, but he did not say anything. He did not go to protect the victim. That is not compassion. The young lady in the beginning of the video who couldn't take it and went and called the manager to protect the worker, showed compassion. The women who invited the worker to sit at their table because they couldn't take the disgusting act of the couple, showed compassion. And then at the end of the video, the guy who was upset, who called the couple disgusting many times and rebuked them, he showed compassion. Compassion is not just feeling somebody's pain, but it's acting upon it to alleviate their pain. According to Tuptin uh, Jinpa, who is the Dalai Lama's principal English translator and author, and then an author of the book Compassion Cultivating Training, Jinpa suggests that compassion is a four-step process. The first is awareness of suffering. The second is sympathetic concern related to being emotionally moved by suffering. The third is wish to see the relief or wish to see that suffering go away. And then the last is responsiveness or readiness to help relieve that suffering. Doing something to take that suffering away. That is what compassion is all about. So why are we good at showing empathy and sympathy, but we are not so great at showing compassion sometimes? And then to take the question one step further, why is it hard for us to show compassion towards people who dislike us, people that are different from us, and sometimes people who hate us because we are Christians? In our passage this morning, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Paul says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if something is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And I want to tell you this morning that showing compassion to all people, regardless of our differences, is an admirable thought, especially people who don't deserve our compassion. And I think the story in Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37, the story of the Good Samaritan is a great story of a person showing compassion to an undeserving person. And that is something to admire. The story of the Good Samaritan puts me to shame because after we realize the context of the story and what's going on, we realize that what the Samaritan did was no easy task to do and yet he was able to do it and so before the parable Jesus was along the journey from Galilee to Jerusalem and he was approached by a lawyer who was really looking to have an argument and the overall passage has three parts the first is the initial conversation the second is Jesus's parable And then the third is the final conversation. And so the initial conversation, which starts in verse 25 to 29, and this is Luke chapter 10, 25 to 29. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will leave. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And so this is no casual friendly conversation. This lawyer is not a legal practitioner, but an expert in Jewish religious law, a theologian in the sect of the Pharisees. He engages Jesus in a discussion with a sinister motive to test him, to break him, which is here the meaning of test. And so the lawyer has planned his strategy, and he knew that his question about finding eternal life will prompt Jesus to ask, what is written in the law? Which in turn will set the lawyer to reply, love the Lord your God, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the strategy worked. Because he had given the answer he knew Jesus would give. Leaving Jesus humiliated with nothing to say. But the debate is not over. Jesus then offers his advice. Do this. Love God and neighbor and you will live That is, you will inherit inherit eternal life you are asking for. But the lawyer, had he been wise, would have walked away from the debate, which he could have done without losing faith. But he was not a wise man. He presses on with a further question. And the reason for that was because, according to the Jewish beliefs at that time, a person observance of the law of God was the means of entry to eternal life. The Mishnah, which is a collection of Jewish teaching from that era, declared this, I quote, Great is the law, for it gives life to them that practice it both in this world and in the world to come. In other words, entry into eternal life depended on practicing the law, on doing of the law. And so the lawyer's question, what must I do, says it all because it reveals everything depends on what I do. It is about me. I inherit eternal life because I earned it, because I kept the law. But herein lies the problem. The fact is, I do not love the Lord with all of my heart, and I do not love my neighbor as I love myself. So at this point, the lawyer should have faced fact and said, I confess that I do not love God the way I'm supposed to, and I do not love my neighbors as I love myself. And the more I tried, the more I fail. But he did not do that. The lawyer, seeking to justify himself, presses on with a question. And the question was, and who is my neighbor? This word justify is a telling detail and Luke uses this word intentionally. Because in Luke chapter 16 verse 15, Jesus said to the Pharisee, You are those who justify yourselves before men but God knows your heart. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. And then in Luke chapter 18, verse 14, in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, Jesus said, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went down to this house justified rather than the other, the self-righteous Pharisees. So Luke here is using the word justified deliberately to tell us that the lawyer believed in self-justification. He asked, who is my neighbor? Because he was confident that he loved his neighbor, the fellow Israelite, or so he thought. And so to his overconfident question, who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, with this famous parable, starting in verse 30 to 35. And so read with me from Luke chapter 10, 30 to 35. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he fell into the hands of robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by the other side of a road. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses that you may have. There are seven scenes in this dramatic story. The first scene is a man was traveling down a dangerous road from Jerusalem to Galilee. And he fell victims to uh, to robbers who stripped him, beat him, and left him half-dead. And then the second scene is a priest passing by the man, but passed on to the other side because touching the dead was forbidden. And so the priest was worried about his holiness. And so he crossed on the other side of the road to pretend like he didn't see this wounded man. And then in the third scene, a Levite also passed by on the other side because touching the dead was also forbidden and he was worried about his holiness. And then in the fourth scene, a third traveler, a Samaritan, had compassion he provided first aid for the wounded traveler despite the risk from the robbers and knowing that the wounded man was a Jew who hated him. And then in the fifth scene, the Samaritan transported the man to an inn. And then in the sixth scene, the Samaritan cared for him at the inn. And then in the last scene, The next day, the Samaritan left some money for his care, promising to pay any shortfall on his return. This is a simple and a moving story that has inspired many acts of compassion all over the centuries. And the term Good Samaritan has been used in many international speeches around the world. But what is the point that Jesus is making? For he does not answer the question, Who is my neighbor? Instead, Jesus gave the parable of this good Samaritan. And so what was Jesus' point? Jesus' actual point, and it is a sharp point, is that the injured man was a Jew, and the priest and the Levite who passed by on the other side were also fellow Jews. They, his neighbors, did not love him. They, his neighbors, did not have compassion, even though they were prominent Jews, religious leaders in Judaism. And so by telling this parable, Jesus is trying to expose the hypocrisy of professed neighbor-to-neighbor love. The man who did love the wounded Jew, the man who showed compassion, was not a Jew, but was was a member of a race the Jews hated. He was a Samaritan. This man saw the wounded man, had compassion on him, came to his side, provided first aid, and took the responsibility of the man's ongoing care and recovery. As a Samaritan, he was a member of a despised race with whom the Jews had no dealings with. Yet, it was this Samaritan who showed compassion to his non-neighbor, a Jew. And so in other words, Jesus is saying to the lawyer, You imply that you, a Jew, love your neighbor. But your fellow Jews, the priest and the Levite, did nothing to help that wounded man who was a Jew. And it fell to a hated Samaritan to do so, to show compassion and to love the wounded man. Some of you may be thinking this morning, you know, it's not a big deal what the Samaritan did. I will probably would have done the same thing. And to you, I will say, really? You think it's that easy? Well, if you do, consider these few scenarios with me. And these are things that I put together to provoke uh, some attention and to give some context to what's going on. If you are Seahawks or a Sounders fan saw a badly wounded 49ers, sorry, (laughs) 49ers or a Portland Timbers fan on the side of the road, and they were badly wounded. Would you help him? Some of you are probably thinking, of course. Just because we hate each other in sport doesn't mean that I won't care for somebody from an opposing team. And I agree. Well, here's the next scenario if you are a Democrat, a socialist, or a progressive, and join a meal with your family at a restaurant, and across from you, As somebody wearing a MAGA hat and obviously a Trump supporter whom you despise, if you saw that the manager is refusing service to the Trump supporter because he disagrees with his political views, would you protect the right of that man to be served like everyone else? And would you speak up for him? Now let's reverse the role. If you're a Trump supporter in that restaurant and across from you was a Democrat who was wearing an Impeach 45 shirt and they were refused service because the manager disagrees with their political view, would you as the Trump supporter come to that person's aid and defend their right to be served? Think about that. Well, let's get more serious If you are a Holocaust survivor and you saw a Nazi sympathizer or a neo-Nazi who has a Nazi tattoo symbol on his head and has a t-shirt that says, we hate Jews, and that neo-Nazi was badly wounded on the side of the road and needing urgent care, would you as a Holocaust survivor stop by to help him? Well, consider another scenario with me. If you are an African American and you have an unapologetic white supremacist or a KKK member as a neighbor, and you have had several unpleasant encounters with this neighbor, If this person lost his job because of COVID-19 and you still happen to have your job and extra money to spare and extra money to help someone, would you help this racist neighbor if he cannot provide food for his family? And then finally, consider this scenario with me. If you live in the South, had a family member who died during 9-11, have family members deployed in the Middle East, and you are anti-Muslim. If you saw a Muslim family just trying to get groceries at a store, but are being harassed by some hooligans who want to harm that family for doing nothing to them, would you step in to protect that Muslim family? As you contemplate these different scenarios, that I have presented. I want you to know that the compassion that the Samaritan showed to this wounded Jew was a big deal. And it is something to admire. By the first century, and most likely long before, both Jewish and Samaritan priests taught their people that it was sinful that it was sinful to have any contact with the others. Jews were to avoid the impure lands of the Samaritans, and Samaritans were not to speak to Jews. In addition, Samaritans and Jews fed their mutual hatred with insults and injury to each other. Sometimes in the early first century, Samaritans threw human bones into the temple in Jerusalem on the day of the Passover. And this heinous act, according to the Jews, defiled the sanctuary, making it impossible to celebrate the most important feast of the year. And then the worst insult that a Jew could use was to call someone a Samaritan. Such as in John chapter 8, verse 48, when the hostile Pharisees answered Jesus by saying, Are you not right in saying that you are Samaritan and are possessed? But despite the hatred and the feud between these two ethnic groups, the Samaritan was able to put his difference away. And he was able with compassion to care for this wounded, half-dead Jew on the side of the road. That is something to admire. And then in the final conversation, verse 36 to 37, it consists of three parts. Jesus' question was, which of these three men proved neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? And then the lawyer's reply, the one who showed mercy on him. And then Jesus' advice was, you go and do likewise. Compassion is an admirable thought. And it is something that we should go and do likewise. To conclude my sermon this morning, showing compassion... To all people, and especially those who least deserve it, is an admirable thought. And as Christians, showing compassion should be something that we always try to do, even though it is hard. And thank God that there are people around us who are a good example of what it looks like to show compassion to everyone. Imitate those people. But then finally, we can look up to Christ as the best example of what showing compassion looks like. Jesus is no mere storyteller about compassion. Jesus himself is the good Samaritan who helped lepers, demon-possessed people, Gentiles, and others whom the Pharisees rejected. He touched a leper And the dead daughter of Jairus, because no strict Jew will do that, and raised her from the dead. So, in an ultimate sense, Jesus is that good man who came into a fractured and broken world to bring his ultimate healing from God. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. While we did not deserve grace, Because we were still sinning. He still offered us to us. He still offered it to us anyway. That is compassion. And think about it even while he was crucified on the cross, Jesus was still able to pray to his Father to forgive the sins of his tormentors. That is compassion. And we live in a world that we need to show compassion more than ever because of the hatred and the divide that is going on. Compassion is hard, especially to those who least deserve it. But as Christians, we are called to do that. We are called to imitate the compassion that Christ showed on us and has instructed us to show it to everyone around us. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the compassion that you have shown and continue to show to us and help us to show that same compassion. In Jesus' name, amen.